Welcome back to the show. Today we are joined by Dr. Deborah Sloboda, who is a professor in the Department of Biochemistry and Biomedical Sciences at McMaster University. She is also the head of a research group, Sloboda Lab, which studies early life origins of health and disease. It's a pleasure to have you on the show. Would you mind telling us a little bit about yourself? Sure. Uh, so th thanks for inviting me. Uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Uh, so I'm Deb Sloboda. I am a professor at McMaster University. Uh, I'm also a Canada Research Chair uh, in Perinatal Programming. And uh, I'm a uh, fetal physiologist <laughs> is what I like to call myself, which is basically a reproductive biologist. It's where my training is, but principally in, um, in fetal physiology and and what happens in the course of development to impact on later life disease risk. And so would you mind explaining the focus of your research to our audience for those listeners who may not know what that entails, just a brief overview of what you study and um, kind of what, what you're interested in? Sure. Um, so we are interested in understanding how the early life environment impacts on how we um, develop diseases later in life. And we have a principal interest in understanding uh, those diseases that most of us thought were solely lifestyle associated diseases. So things like obesity, diabetes, hypertension, so high blood pressure. Um, most people will associate those diseases with um, you know, their own ability to choose or not choose what to eat, how much activity, et cetera, et cetera. Of course, accounting for any kind of genetic uh, susceptibility. But most, what most people don't understand is that the uh, environment within which you develop in, so even as a germ cell, as an egg and a sperm, as an embryo and as a fetus also impacts on how and when and uh, you know what type of potential health or disease risk you might have later in life. And so really it's, it's the interaction between your developmental life and your postnatal life uh, that impacts on yourself as a healthy human being. Awesome, yeah, definitely. I think, I think that's, great because a lot of people tend to look at it as um, just the one side of thing that you mentioned of how they impact themselves once they have been born but it, it's important to study before that and while you know the the influences from ever since they were small and all of that and how that really triggers certain things and how it's it's not always just what you're eating it could be something deeper so that's great um, my next question is kind of a question that a lot of people have been wondering in various aspects, whether they're students, whether they're professors, in any field really, how has COVID affected the way you work and your research lab, how that works in the past year? And uh, what would you say were some uh, struggles that you may have came across? How you maybe overcame those struggles? Just any sort of insight you have. Sure. Um, so, you know, COVID has impacted all of us in uh, in a number of different ways. I um, I'm privileged enough to have a career and a job that enables me to work uh, through this. So, I just want to say that I'm completely uh, delighted to be able to continue the work that I've been doing because there's so many millions of people that have been out of work. So that's actually a huge plus. Um, having said that, it's been a struggle uh, as it is with everyone. Um, we 
a lot of what we do, so about two thirds to three quarters of the lab is geared on biological sciences. So we, we actually perform experiments in the laboratory at the bench, understanding molecular biology. Um, and in doing so, we use animal models. So it's been really tricky um, to try and maintain the level of, of work and productivity that we've had previously. We, uh, we've been really conscious of the fact that, you know, a lot of my students live out of town. They uh, have different varying degrees of comfort uh, about what they want to do and what they don't want to do. Um, we also have to be conscious of the fact that, you know, you can only have so many people in the lab at the same time. You can only do so much animal work at the same time. And we've been also uh, really uh, proactive in terms of keeping our one team, we've divided it into two teams just in case somebody gets sick so that not everyone goes down. Um, but I have to say the team's been incredible. I have an incredible uh, set of, of students and postdoctoral fellows that have been unbelievably supportive of each other. It's been amazing. Uh, if one person needs help, they all put their hand up. And, and really that's that's been the success of our lab is that everyone's willing to pitch in for anyone to do anything <laughs> whenever they need it. Um, so that's been that's been great, but a struggle. Uh, and then the the other twenty five percent of what we do is community based research, which has been virtually impossible, if you will, to do. Uh, we in the in the past have a study. It was called the Mothers to Baby Study. So where we did a pregnancy study, where we did a study and trying to understand what the barriers and enablers are to healthy eating, maintaining health, and services. What kind of services they they use in Hamilton. So that's been hard. Uh, we have a study right now that is fully funded um, to look at how we use art to translate what we do in the lab um, into art and as a method of translation to the public. We haven't even started that study because it's impossible to do that because we can't get to the art gallery and we can't get to artists and we can't bring, you know, pregnant people and artists together, we can't do yeah. any of that. So that's been a struggle. But I will tell you about a huge success uh, that we've had. We launched a study called the Canadian Teenagers in COVID-19 study uh, in August, um, and which is not on my website, which I probably should put there now. Uh, it's, uh, it's a study to understand the impact of COVID-19 and all the social isolation on teens in Hamilton on their mental health or well-being, what they're eating, their physical activity. And that's been a great success. So we have uh, a, an amazing team of undergraduate students that have been, that, that have been working with our core team. And, and we've been talking to teens in focus groups. We've been talking to teens that go to high school, we've been talking to first year, second year McMaster students about how hard it's been. What is it, what are they doing? to try and cope with COVID-19, how are they feeling? What are, what, um, you know, what are some of the barriers that they've managed to overcome? And they've been really great in sharing their perspective and how they think, uh, you know, the messaging has done them right or done them wrong. 
Uh, and, and that's been a huge plus, I have to say, uh, and the study's ongoing. Uh, so I, I, you know, every, every kind of few days we have an, a new person kind of a participant put up their hand and say, I, I want to tell you about what I'm feeling. So that's been a plus. Yeah, that sounds great. And, and it definitely sounds and seems like there's a strong team dynamic, even that's been fostered within your research group, which, which is great to hear because it does help, you know, reduce the stress in these tough times where there's so much uncertainty that like it, it's stressful at times. And that leads me into my next question. Um, I know you also not only read your, lead your research group, but you're also a professor. And so in that sense, um, aside from, you know, a strong team dynamic, what advice would you give to students to kind of increase their productivity or even yourself ways that you found within, you know, the pandemic that productivity can be increased in an all online setting? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm going to, uh, over, I'm going to challenge you on the word increase in productivity. Yeah. <laughs> I, um, I think that we uh, need to just, you know, we need to think about what we're calling productivity uh, now. Uh, we, we need to not worry so much about output as, as we do about um, quality as well. Uh, I think that, you know, being, being online has its advantages uh, and being online has its disadvantages. And I don't think I have to go through all of them. Everybody, everybody knows what the advantages are. You don't have to drive for an hour, you know, mm -hmm. right. Uh, yeah. but, the but quite frankly, the disadvantages that I'm not walking across campus, uh, I'm not running into some of my students on campus in the middle of campus and having a chat and then carrying on. I'm, I'm not actually moving my legs <laughs> to get to the other side of campus. Um, so, so it's been a catch 22, I think, I, I think that, um, given the fact that everybody is sitting at their computer, I think, uh, meetings that used to take half an hour with half an hour in between meetings are no longer happening. So now you have meetings like that start at two, end at three, start at three, end at four, start at four, right? Uh, because you're not going anywhere because your commute is just a, a button click away. Um, I think that significantly reduced productivity. I think people have are spending more time uh, meeting and chatting um, and spending less time doing maybe some of the other things that they'd rather be doing. But having said that, you're meeting and chatting online, which is really important. And to me, you know, doing this kind of chat with you right now online is really important. Uh, because we uh, aren't connecting on campus. We aren't seeing people on campus. And sometimes just seeing a group of people is enough. I don't have to approach that group of 20 people and have a chat. Sometimes just seeing them is enough and, and we're missing that. So I basically just try to uh, do what I can in the period of a day. Uh, you know, uh, we have great data. I love looking at the data. I love writing up the data, but I'm not going to I'm not going to chastise myself for, you know, oh, you should have got that paper out yesterday instead of today. Um, we're all just managing. So I think, uh, I think the word productivity, I kind of, I kind of hate it. Yeah, <laughs> me, me as well. I think that's a great point, actually, that you mentioned because of how um, it's important to kind of look at the other spectrum when, when you think of that word in general, you know, looking at 
the fact that there are those advantages and disadvantages and that in a way it's it's a mindset you just need to be able to get the work done but while also like you said the interaction part of things where we aren't able to connect on campus even though we both are on the cross so that in itself having those breaks it overall i guess it it, it helps mental health throughout this time which is kind That's of where I guess I I was trying to go, but you already talked about that, which was great. The fact that even seeing a group um, without even approaching them, it gives you that sense of interaction in a way that um, we're lacking right now. And so stuff like this definitely helps. So that that's great. Um, so my next question. So uh, obviously, as as you mentioned earlier, and you have had a great career of um, within your field, and so I wanted to touch upon kind of um, some things that I found out about you that I think are really interesting that people would want to know, you know, how your experiences were uh, traveling. And so um, in 2001, you had received a fellowship from the Women's and Infants Research Foundation in Western Australia, where you had went and spent five years completing your postdoctoral fellowship. You then also spent time in New Zealand, where you were appointed Deputy Director of National Research Centre for Growth and Development at the University of Auckland. Um, where you also achieved the re early research career award. And so my question for you is obviously in, in the current year that we're living in, it's not possible to travel as easily as it was, but some undergraduate students are, are they, they have questions about what it's like to travel and how, what steps you took, what pushed you towards um, exploring options outside of Canada. So my question for you is what was this experience like for you having completed um, your BSc at University of Guelph, a small town at the time where I'm from. And so what was that like for you? And what pushed you to explore other options, which led to great success? Yeah. So um, I would say that uh, most most undergrad students think when they when they look at a professor and kind of look at the tra trajectory or the historical you know, journey that they've taken, they think that it's a linear process that, you know, okay, I decided that I wanted to leave Canada, so I left, and then I decided I wanted to leave Australia, and I left, when in fact it's not linear in any way, shape, or form. Um, in very few cases has somebody said, I want to go here, then I want to go here, then I want to go here. <laughs> Um, it, it uh, for me, it was about um, being open to opportunity and not being afraid of taking risk. Um, or maybe not so much of not being afraid, but just taking risks because I was always afraid. <laughs> so let's be super clear about that. Um, there's, there's nothing comfortable about, you know, moving to a strange country and starting a new job, uh, that is super uncomfortable. Um, but knowing that it'll all work out very likely in the end. So I just kept myself open to opportunity. Um, so, and that happened every step of the way. So I finished my undergrad degree in Guelph. I might add, I started my undergrad degree in Guelph in arts. I was in full humanities. I was taking, I was going to be a French teacher. Um, and then, uh, just saw a few courses and thought, I, I'd like to do that. I, I like that better than <laughs> teaching French. Um, and then completed that, stuck around, got a job, went online, looked up a few people, made some phone calls. Somebody said, yes, I went to Western. I really liked it there. Uh, 
you know, then left Western and just, and I left Western because I took a course, I talked to a prof, the prof said, we don't know the answer to your question. I was like, well, I should, I should do that. Shouldn't I? I should do that. I should do the PhD. Um, and then moved to Toronto and, and then in the middle of my PhD, the experiments weren't working. So my PI sent me to Australia and said, well, the protocol is working there. You should go work it out. And I was like, oh no, that's far away. <laughs> um, but I went alone, didn't know anybody, lived there for six weeks. It was super uncomfortable. Every step was uncomfortable, but every step was exciting. Um, and for me, in order to keep learning, uh, you got to step out of your comfort zone every single time. Um, so I just kind of followed my nose, really. Uh, and I just listened to the doors opening or watched the doors open and then chose the one that I wanted to walk through because opportunities are kind of all around you. You just have to keep an eye out for them. And sometimes you think, well, this is crazy. Why am I going to do this? This seems weird. Doesn't seem logical, but sometimes you got to take a risk, just take a risk and try it out. Nothing's forever. I mean, like I said, I could have been a French teacher and you would not be talking to me about <laughs> teaching French right now, <laughs> right? but I took yeah. a risk. So that to me, that's the biggest thing is don't, don't be afraid to take risks and also don't be afraid to take a little bit longer to do what you thought you'd get done. Cause I, I took five and a half years to do an undergrad because I transferred. So. Yeah, that really helps to hear in, in the sense that um, what you mentioned about doors opening it's kind of, I know a lot of our like conversations went back to the whole COVID situation, but even just because it relates so well, the fact that doors are still open in a way because of COVID, it's got us that, you know, online opportunities. You could sit in one place and be working for another place. Like many That's exactly right. Yeah. Yeah. So just, just kind of be open to things that you thought that you think, you know, that's how could that possibly work out? Well, I don't know. Try it. It oh, might yeah. not work out, but you're, you know, I'm, I'm, unless somebody said pay me $10,000 <laughs> to make this work. Uh, but as long as, as long as it doesn't hurt you in any way, you know, you might lose a year of your time, but if you can afford it, uh, like it, to me, it's not a race to the end. <laughs> it's mm -hmm. a marathon. This is yeah. not a sprint. 100%. So. Yeah, yeah. And like you said, along the way, there could be bumps and all that stuff, but it, it, you end up learning from them. And so my question to you after that was going to be, what would you tell yourself? But I think you already answered that in the fact that you followed your heart and um, your passion more and over. And so I think Unless you want to add something to that question. <laughs> well, I, I think you, I think you summed it up quite nicely. There are bumps along the way, and to me, uh, dealing with the bumps are important on your own, but also a support network. Uh, surround yourself with people that will support you, uh, no matter what. Um, for sure. That that's super helpful. <laughs> awesome. Yeah, for sure. And so that concludes the time that we have for today. But thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us um, it, and really just letting us know about yourself and your research group, as well as just some advice there at the end for a lot of people listening, I'm sure, who are in undergrad and, you know, thinking about ways that they could either um, make their career advance or even if they're just scared to take risks. A perfect example that would be given by yourself to just go for it and chase your passions. Um, yeah. Now's the time after all. <laughs> so <laughs> thank great. you so much. Yeah, thank you for joining us. 
Yeah, thanks for asking me to do this. Thanks. Yeah, no problem. Good luck to everyone out there.